This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. All right, welcome to another edition of Holding Court, everyone. Patrick McEnroe here, and as I get set to make the trip over to England for the Wimbledon Championships, thought we'd bust out a little podcast with some early thoughts about uh, the tournament that's about to begin in a few days' time. I'm actually heading over a little bit later than I normally do because I actually get to celebrate my birthday here in New York. It's July 1st. It's my birthday, which is Saturday. So I'm going to be celebrating at home most of the day, then flying over Saturday night. So getting to London a little bit later than I normally do, but I got the late pass from my bosses at ESPN. Let me celebrate my birthday with my wife at home for the first time, as she mentioned to me, probably since we've been married, that's over 25, that's 25 years. We've known each other a little longer than that. Let me put my do not disturb on so we don't get those beeps uh, on my phone. So anyway, I'm going over there Saturday, of course, uh, waiting for the draw to come out, which will be tomorrow. That's Friday, our time here uh, in New York, early Friday, because it'll come out in the af- early afternoon in London. But there's really, I mean... Certainly, once I get the draw, we'll 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 have to check in yet again. Uh, likely, I'll do that from over there. But uh, I mean, I'll, let's just start with the obvious, which is Djokovic is going for his twenty fourth major. Uh, he's looking to tie Roger Federer with his eighth would be his eighth Wimbledon title. Um, going for his fifth consecutive Wimbledon title. I think it's twenty eight match win streak. That he's on, uh, of course, the pandemic year 2020. Uh, well, I was home for that because there was no Wimbledon that year. But uh, uh, Djokovic didn't win it that year because it wasn't played. Uh, so he'll go in as a as a solid favorite. I mean, probably a heavy favorite if you really think about it, because unlike in the, in on the hard course at the U.S. Open or at the Australian Open, where he'd still be the favorite right now if the U.S. Open started. Uh, in a few days' time, or the Australian Open started. He, he's a bigger favorite in Australia for a couple of reasons. The conditions, the court surface, the open, where it's a little bit un, more unpredictable with the wind, I would say, and the heat. Uh, and although now that they have the roof, it's not as windy on center court at the open as it normally is, he'd be a favorite there. But there's more guys, there's more male players that could that have a, a shot against him on a hard court. I, I understand best of five. That's still a long shot for, for most of these guys. But when you look at, you know, guys like Medvedev, guys like Rublev, um, you know, Kasper Rude, for example, all those guys, while they'd be the underdog against him on a hard court, you know, they, they have a shot, okay? Uh, on grass, uh, I, it's hard for me to think of guys that go in even – Forget it about beating him, just having a shot to beat him. You think of maybe Sinner, okay? He had a two-set lead on him uh, last year, or was it the year before? Uh, and, of course, Sinner beat Alcaraz uh, on grass last year. Alcaraz, by the way, the top seed because he won Queens Club, so he got some extra points by winning that 500. Looked great, by the way, winning Queens. He had a little bit of a slow start, dropped the first set, and then he didn't drop a set the rest of the tournament and beat some really good grass court players, including Nori, including Korda. Um, and who did he beat in the final? It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, you've got... You've got Alcaraz, who clearly could beat Djokovic, although he just doesn't have that many reps on the grass, hasn't played that many matches, so uh, not a ton of experience. And as we saw what happened 
at the French Open semifinal where he had a ton of experience playing on clay, obviously. He didn't have the experience of playing that type of energized, uh, pressure-packed match, and that's what I believe caused him to cramp up early in the third set after he had won an amazing second set to where it was going to be one set all, and you're thinking, okay, game on. This could go four or five sets uh, and be sort of an epic four- to five-hour match, which I think is what it was headed for. Um, But Alcaraz cramped up, and the match was over, and Djokovic just won it easily and then, of course, went on to win his third French Open title. So, yeah, it's 28 matches in a row that Novak has won uh, at Wimbledon. Uh, He decided not to play any tune-up tournament, which was smart for him. He's focusing on the majors. He's so comfortable on grass that he can use the first match or two uh, to get himself, you know, into the tournament. He's already got there very early to to London. You saw him on Instagram. Uh, He got there even early, middle of last week. He got there while Queens was going on, and and the players were playing there. He'd already gotten to Wimbledon and was out. Um, at Arangi Park, which are the practice court facilities right next, but it's really part of the Wimbledon grounds. That's where the players practice. They do get to hit now a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, on the main courts uh, a couple of days before the tournament. So pr- right around now, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the players get to play for an hour here and there um, on the Wimbledon courts. And that was a good move by the tournament uh, committee to allow that to happen. And one of the reasons for the impetus for that to happen was because there were so many players tripping and falling and slipping on day one through three of the tournament in the the last few years. You know, the court's so lush. Uh, Obviously, that's happened always on grass. That will always happen. But I think the way they've changed the grass, the balls are, you know, the, the, the... Game is just happening much faster, so you're seeing players, you know, have to change direction a lot quicker. And when the grass is really green, courts are unbelievably slippery, even even if the weather's perfect out. So they've now allowed some players to get on the practice courts. They get a little bit of wear and tear, very minor, because they, they still want those courts to look pristine. But let's go back to who you think could beat Novak, as, as I mentioned. I mean, Kyrgios would be an obvious guy because of how well he played last year and, and his game on grass. But he's, he hasn't played all year. I mean, he's played one match uh, in one of the warm-up tournaments, the first one. Um, I think that was, was it in Holly? It was a week before Holly, maybe Stuttgart. And he lost, and he looked terrible, and he wasn't moving well. Uh, he had a knee issue, as you recall, right before the Australian Open, which is why he didn't play uh, for this first half of the year. You know, sent out all his usual Instagrams about how hard he's working and the videos and so on. Shows up and plays one match and then pulls out of the next two tournaments. So he's a major question mark uh, coming into the tournament. So is Berrettini, another guy who you know has been in a final before a couple of years ago and took a set off Djokovic. You know, with the monster serve for and he's had a whole bunch of I- injuries as well. So he's very questionable. Uh, coming in. So those would be two guys that would be like real dangerous floaters. Uh, I mean, not floaters, but guys that can make make a run and, and that I think could actually beat um, Novak on grass. But I don't see that happening at the moment. So then you got to go down the list. You see, as I said, you know, Medvedev, a couple years ago, he had success on some of the warm up tournaments, but I just don't like his court positioning on grass. Um, 
of course, the Russians and Belarusians allowed to play this year. So that dynamic is out of the equation. The points will be back on. Of course, Djokovic would have a huge lead in the points uh, if they'd concluded his in points from last year, but they didn't. So that's why he's a two seed. Doesn't really matter being the one or two seed. Uh, there's no difference there. Like he was three at, at, at Roland Garros, so that's why he had to play Alcaraz in the semi. So it's better that they're, they're, they're both one-two. I mean, of course, Novak should be the number one seed, but Wimbledon electing not to change the rankings. They, they've sort of made that decision years ago. They used to have the uh, grass system that took into account success on grass in the last couple of years to help to you know maneuver players around. They decided against doing that, and that's pretty much the way that all the slams have gone. Uh, who else could make a run on the men's side? As I said, Sinner's a guy who's in there. Uh, Rublev, you know, got to the final of a tournament, losing to Bublik, who that was the first title he ever won in Halle. You know, Bublik's dangerous. I mean, he's a whack job, but he's fun to watch, and he's got that big serve. He goes for huge uh, second serves and does the underhand serve. But he's dangerous. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, if he actually just has it together mentally, which he seemed to have in, in Halle, uh, could be a factor in the tournament. Let's talk about the two American guys. They're both in the top 10 now, seated in the top 10. Taylor Fritz at 9, Francis Tiafo at 10. And Tiafo won the title in Stuttgart. That was the week right after the French. Then he played Queens, went out to Corda there, the other uh, American who I think may have the best chance overall in the long run to uh, at some point win Wimbledon. I'm not sure it's this year because he's still sort of finding his strength and fitness, but he's playing well, Corda, and he looked good against Tiafo, beat him in straights, and as I said, he got pretty manhandled by Alcaraz. That was in the semis of, uh, of Queens. Australia was three and four. So Tiafo at 10, I could see either Tiafo or Taylor Fritz, you know, around deep in the tournament. Can I see them beating Djokovic in best of five on center court? Probably not, but uh, again, they're they're just as, in the same boat as everybody else. I can't see anybody except except maybe Alcaraz if he just gets hot and and you know he's got he's the game wise he's got the most firepower and athleticism skills. But of course, he doesn't have the same uh, pedigree even close as far as grass court matches and you know playing on center court when it really counts. Andy Murray, we got to mention him. Uh, it would be lovely to see him make a run. Uh, he won 10 straight matches on the challenger circuit. Remember, he didn't. He decided not to play the French. He played a little bit on clay, decided not to play the French uh, to get himself ready for the grass. He, he, he knows that he's got a much better shot to make a run at Wimbledon. Uh, then he played Demonor at Queens and got destroyed in his first match there, 3-1. and one. Uh, But hopefully he gets his, you know... Mentally back, I'm sure he will. He's Andy Murray. He's won Wimbledon a couple of times. Uh, but he hasn't been to the second week uh, of a major since 2017, which is when he reached the second week at Wimbledon uh, in the quarters. Um, but it's his best chance. And he's got, you know, obviously tremendous experience uh, playing on grass. Uh, 117 and 27 he is overall on grass. So, that's a lot of tennis uh, matches to be played on grass. So I'll be interested to see when the draw comes out. Taylor Fritz, I mentioned him too. 
Uh, he had that, you know, really good run. He's got a lot of points to defend. Well, no, I, I take that away. I made that mistake on my last podcast. I said he's got points to defend. No, there's no points. He didn't get points. Um, so his ranking uh, won't suffer if he goes out early. He Remember, he got to the uh, quarters last year, lost that epic match to Nadal, who, was, uh, who injured himself sort of during that match and then, of course, had to pull out before his semifinal matchup with Kyrgios, giving Kyrgios a walkover uh, into the final. So Fritz is a guy who I could definitely see around in the second week. He and Tiafo, I think both have a real good shot to do that. Uh, I mentioned Corda, Tommy Paul. Uh, you know, he's, he'll be lingering. He likes grass, hits the ball pretty flat, great mover. He's a really good athlete, can come forward as well. So I think the American men are in pretty good position, uh, again, uh, not to win it. I mean, nobody is other than Novak. So that's, that's, that's just a reality. Uh, but to have a few of those guys, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if two to three of those guys are around in week two, meaning round of 16 on. On the women's side, let's take a look at, uh, you know, there it's a little bit, it's not wide open because you've got the three players at the top that have certainly distanced themselves from the pack, from the field, at least this year. So the obvious one is, is Iga Svantec. Um, You know, she's coming in with a lot of confidence. She's playing today, actually, and she's got one warm-up tournament that she's playing in. She's playing today. Uh, I'm talking to you Thursday morning. Uh, she's had a couple of wins already. Uh, so we'll see how she does there, but she's coming off her fourth major title at Roland Garros. She's won that a couple of times. She's won the U S open. Uh, she's going to be good on grass. I mean, I don't, I don't know if she's going to win this year, but her athleticism, her ball striking, her speed, you know, not great at the net, but good finishing points in the middle of the court off both wings, uh, she can volley. She's not that comfortable, you know, sort of doing a hit, hit and you know, chip and charge. But she can finish at the net if she has to. Um, and her serve is good. And her second serve is good. It's hard to attack her second serve, um, which can be a problem against, uh, you know, Rabakina and Sabalenka's of the world, who are the other two that have distanced themselves from the pack. So you've got Shiantek at one. Remember, she did win the juniors. Um, at Wimbledon. So, I mean, she's got, I know that doesn't mean that much, but it shows you that she's got that in her head. And I just think as she gets a little bit more confident with her, you know, she's so explosive in the movement department, but she's the best mover by far on the women's tour, the way she slides into the ball, her speed, her athleticism. Uh, So I expect that she's going to win a couple of Wimbledons before she's done. Uh, but it's not going to be like her most dominant slam. I think she's obviously on clay. We know that. Um, but I like her chances this year. I think she's coming in with a – last year, remember, she was on that long win streak, and there was a pressure was just building and building, and it got to her. And, she, you know, she hasn't been passed around to 16. She was – I think it was around to 32. She lost last year. Uh, but I really, really think she can be a factor this year. Again, you've got Rabakina, who won it last year. But she hasn't played a lot since she had to pull out uh, of her match at Roland Garros, where she was playing well on the clay uh, with illness. So she's only played two matches. She pulled out at Eastbourne. Uh, so that's not a great sign for her. She's got to find her strength. But she's got, like, that power game, the big sort of prototypical big, you know, as Mary Carrillo 
you know, called it years ago, big babe tennis. You know, the uh, hit big off both wings, serve big. Not a great mover, but a pretty good mover. And she's tall, and uh, she's got. And she can out hit Sviantek, which she's done before this year. So is Sabalenka, who what who reached the final at Wimbledon two years ago. Then she wasn't able to play last year because of the ban. She's Belarusian. Uh, she's only played two matches uh, as well, like Rabakina coming in. Again, I don't, I don't put a lot into that because both those players have a lot of experience playing well at Wimbledon. Um, I think all three of them have a good shot. And as it, it, as I, this is why I say it's different than the men's side where it's Djokovic and every, you know, Djokovic, then maybe Alcaraz, then everybody else. Here it's got Sviantek, Rabakina, Sabalenka, uh, and everybody else. So I think it's going to be, you know, again, not wide open on the women's side. A couple of other players that certainly have a shot. I mean, Muhova, who came sort of out of nowhere to get to the finals of the French, but she's got a great game that's tailor-made for grass. I mean, I, I've compared her to Ash Barty, the way she plays, you know, with the two-handed backhand, can use a slice, probably comes to net as well as just about any player on the women's tour, maybe Krajcikova, who's a great doubles player as well. She could be a factor on the grass with her ability to hit the ball flat to come forward. Um, she was reached the final in Birmingham. Uh, but, I, you know, I like, look, Muhova is going to be coming in now with a little bit more expectations because of how well she did at the French. Uh, but she's reached a couple of quarters already in her career at uh, Wimbledon. So uh, I think those two Czech players, Muhova, Krajcikova, both have a chance. And, of course, there's the, the Czech player that's won this a couple of times. That's Petra Kvitova, but she hasn't done that well since she won her second Wimbledon, which was back in 2014. Um, but she might be the most, the purest, just grass court player in the women's game, you know, with the big lefty serve, with the ability to, to, to hit huge off both wings. You know, she's a, she's a prototypical, as I said, the power player. She did win a title, too, in Berlin, which was pretty stacked draw. Um, so she, I think she's, you know, perfect preparation for her. You know, playing decent all year. Of course, she won Miami. That was a big uh, 1,000 win for her. Uh, decent on the clay for her. Not a great clay quarter, but wins a title, then has a week to prepare to get ready uh, for Wimbledon. So she certainly could be, uh, you know, a, a three-time champ when all said and done. Uh, I mentioned, uh, well, I got to mention a couple of the American women. That would be Pagula, who's a top-ranked American. Uh, I'm going to pull up my rankings right here just to see where she's at. Pagula, obviously Coco as well. Um, WTA singles right here. Pagula's at four. Coco's at seven. Uh, I, I should mention Garcia and Jabor because they're five, six in the rankings, and, and both are capable. Uh, Jabor, of course, reached the final last year as well as the final at the U.S. Open. I have to be honest, I'd be surprised if she makes another run that deep. Um, you know, she's a finesse player, which she's great at it. She's got great hands. She comes to the net. Uh, the grass kind of helps her serve a little bit, gives her a little, little extra on that. But I still think if she plays one of those big three, who plays well, you know, she can get overpowered. So it's almost like she has to rely on one of those players to not play great. And uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen if it's in the quarters or semis of Wimbledon, which is where they would play. Uh, Coco is a little bit more of a question mark. Coco Goff, who's sitting at seven in the rankings, she's also 
playing this week, had a couple of good wins thus far. You know, we've talked constantly about the forehand and the second serve. I mean, that's still, those are still issues. Uh, can the grass help her? Cause she doesn't have to play as many long points. And, you know, if she gets hot on it, it still could be a weapon. Uh, just not as consistent. I still think it's hard for her to go all the way. Uh, and she hasn't come close to going all the way in, in any really big tournaments this year. So the players know to just, you know, go to the forehand, go to the forehand, and it can break down. Or, or she backs off on it just to make it. And then, you know, it, it allows players to take the offensive. So uh, you got Sakari at eight, kind of waiting for her to make, you know, another run in a major. I don't know. I'm not necessarily seeing that. Kudamatova is 12. Kazakina, both those Russian players. So they'll be back. You know, they're dangerous. Um, Haddad Maya, who had the great run at uh, the French on grass, not seeing it as much. Belinda Bencic is in there. Uh, you know, again, not wide open on the women's side, but more players that, you know, Donna Vekic at 20, she could make a move. Uh, I'm trying to go down the list. The next American is Madison Keys. You got Keys at 25, Bernardo Pera at 27. Uh, you know, Keys in the past has been a threat at Wimbledon, but I'm not really seeing that this year. Uh, so let me, before I finish up here, let me just, because this actually reminded me, that was good for me to go over the the seed the rankings. Let me do that with the men in case I forgot somebody that you need me to talk about. Alcaraz, Djokovic, Medvedev, mentioned them. Rude, who, who's been on a nice vacation since he reached the final again in Paris. Um, you don't expect much from him. Sitsipas has been brutal. I mean, he's had a, for him, it's been a, I mean, he's still ranked five somehow. So it's not like he's fallen off the map, but he, he lost to Hanfman, guy who, who played college tennis at USC. Another nice to see another college guy doing well um, in Majorca this week. He's into his um, relationship with Palabadosa, so good for them. I'm just not sure where his tennis is at, and he's never been great on grass, although he, he should be pretty darn good. Uh, Runa's at six. Uh, I think he's going to be a threat in the future. At Wimbledon, I just I don't th- know if he's ready at the moment. He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed. He can play the whole court. You know, he can come forward. He's just, to me, he's, just a li- he's still a little raw at the moment. Um, so, but it wouldn't be su- I wouldn't be surprised if he's around because he just, he's just pure athleticism and a shot-making. Rublev, I mentioned him. Sinner kind of tailed off a little bit. Uh, Sinner, but, you know, grass should be good for him. But I'm, I'm feeling some question marks right there. I mentioned the two Americans. Hatchinoff's at 11, not expecting a lot from him on grass. OJ Aliassim is really slumping. Um, you know, he took some time off after he, remember, he lost first round at the friend, so he's trying to regroup mentally. Uh, Nori, you know, he'll be, he'll be around probably round his 16 quarters. That's what he does. Uh, can he win it? No. Uh, Chorich, same. Musetti, I don't think on grass. Although he did did okay at Queens, uh, I think it was Tiafo beat him there. Well, who beat him? What were they with the Americans? Demonor, solid. You know he's sort of there with Tommy Paul. Both those guys. Hercotch is the other guy. He's dropped to eighteen, but he's got sort of the grass court game with the big serve. It was what was it last year? He made the semis. Uh, he's been a he's been a guy that can do it. Zverev is sort of working his way back. He's actually ranked twenty one now, which is a good effort for him to get back there. Uh, I could see him um, getting confident on the grass, but the serve, second serve, 
an issue. Uh, Struf, the German, big serve, big game. Uh, and that's pretty much the guys, you know, I said, as I said, Korda's 25. Shapovalov is 29 now. He's dropping down. Kyrgios at the moment. So so I saw the top 10 seedings. I don't know if I saw. Kyrgios is ranked 33 right now. So if everybody plays, he's one spot out of being seeded. Okay, that's interesting. And so I, I haven't heard of anybody pulling out. I'm looking down the list. I'm trying to see if there's anyone I know of that's injured. I don't think so. So that could be very interesting. You got Kyrgios at 33, Ben Shelton at 35 with that big lefty serve. He just lost to Eubanks in a, in a third set breaker in Majorca. The two um, American big servers went at it. Uh, and Berrettini's 37, Murray's 39. So you're going to have some dangerous floaters. So that's going to be the most interesting thing to look for uh, when the draw comes out. Uh, again, on Friday. So I will try to get back to you. I'm traveling a little bit. Of course, getting making my way over to England on Saturday, arriving Sunday morning. I'll be busy with ESPN stuff, of course, as we get set to get underway. But looking forward to making another trip over the pond, and I'm looking forward to catching up with all of you. I will, of course, be checking in on the Holding Court podcast as often as I can, although I'll be a little bit busier since ESPN will be on the air you know, pretty much all day, every day. So no vacation for me. Enjoy the tournament. Hope everyone's enjoying the beginning of the summer. And I will see you from the other side of the pond at SW19, right here on Holding Court. North Organic CBD is a new sponsor of Holding Court. I love their CBD gummies. They come in two delicious flavors, strawberry lemonade and green apple. I've had them both, both amazing. One a day, and you're totally okay. I like to stay active. I like to keep playing tennis. I like to get in the gym. That's why I love North Organic CBD. Their products are made in the USA. They're high quality. They're specially formulated broad spectrum organic CBD products for everyday adventurers. Don't forget about the very popular CBD salve from North Organics. Immediate relief of any physical pain. I use it daily for my sore shoulders, sore knees, hips, you name it. It works wonders. Go to NorthOrganicCBD.com and enter Patrick20. That's Patrick20 for 20% off your order. The Johnny Mac Tennis Project transforms young lives. By removing the economic, racial, and social barriers to success through tennis. JMTP provides tennis as a vehicle for greater life opportunity. The programming provides a pathway to success through competitive tennis, leading to increased health and fitness, college scholarships, and incredible career opportunities. JMTP introduces tennis to thousands of underserved New York children every week. To date, the Johnny Mac Tennis Project has reached over 10,000 students through its community programs, providing 462 individual scholarships, totaling over $8.6 million, and 32 of its scholarship recipients have gone on to receive college scholarships through tennis. For more info, go to jmtpny.org. I can't wait to hit the court after school. Don't forget to subscribe to and share Holding Court. Holding Court is powered by Mudhouse Media.